0: Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. And while you're here, go ahead and head over to our online platform, thelifeonline.cc, where you'll find content on all kinds of topics like forgiveness, healing, prophecy, faith, and so much more. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc and enjoy today's message. Well, can everyone here at Lakeland give it up to all of our other campuses all over the city of Jackson? Hello, Highland Colony. Hello, Fondren. Hello, Online. Hello, Fox. Uh, Wherever you're at, uh, we know that not only are you there, but the Spirit of God is there. And we're super excited to have uh, you here with us. And we're in a series entitled Homesick, uh, where we're talking about how to make our homes healthy. Uh, Now, I always try to come prepared with notes and scriptures and stories and all of those things, but uh, my goal here at Word of Life is not for you to hear from us, it's not for you to hear from me or our worship teams, Uh, my goal is for you to hear from the Spirit of God. Uh, And so before we open up scripture today, can we take a moment to just pray over our service and to just open up our hearts to God's Word. Father, we come before you today today. We give you thanks for your spirit, and Father, we thank you that he makes your word a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Give me, Father, ears to hear, uh, eyes that see, and a heart that understands. And Father, I thank you that for everyone who is listening to this or participating in it, that Father, you would give them ears that hear your spirit, eyes that see your word, and a heart that understands yours. We love you, Father. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Today, I've got a real simple lesson before we get back into worship, and it is this, three things successful families do. Three things successful families do. Number one is they have fun and they laugh together. They have fun and they laugh together. Now, I'll say this on the front end. Um, I assume that for most of you, you're already like praying together <laughs> and like going to church and, you know, reading scripture. Uh, so I wanted to pick things that might not be as obvious, but were also simple enough for you to do on a regular basis in the context of your family. Uh, whether you're married with kids or whether you're, you're single with a mother and a father, these principles uh, are relational and are applicable for whatever season you may find yourself in and the first thing that I think families that are healthy do is they laugh and they have fun together I had a spiritual mentor He since going home to be at the Lord I miss him but one of the things he would constantly say is this is joy is the serious business of heaven Joy is the serious business of heaven. Anytime I teach on joy, I'm reminded of what the Holy Spirit spoke to me a number of years ago. He said, uh, Joel, you are treating joy like it's a luxury. Uh, Like if you have it, it's great, but it's not really necessary. And he said, uh, joy is not a luxury. Joy is a necessity. It's needed. And it's needed at all times in fact the bible teaches us that in the worst of times you need joy the most because the joy of the lord is your strength so even in tests and trials you should count it all joy Uh, But joy, it is the serious business of heaven. Uh, Now, my wife, when we got married, um, she made fun of me because of how serious I was. Uh, Whenever my voice would change, she would say, Joel, that's your preacher's voice. And she she would immediately kind of pull me back. She went through my closet when we first got married. um, And uh, she's like, you don't own a pair of shorts, or jeans, like and it was true. My father passed away at seventeen. I started pastoring at nineteen, and so out of that, I had like dress shirts and suits and sport coats and slacks. I would wear a tie out, and it came well because if I ever went in the the grocery store, I'm like I never wanted someone to be ashamed to introduce me as their pastor. And so I thought, well, I'm young, but I can dress older. Uh, and so that was where my my mind kind of went in that moment. It's like you know, I'll be pastoral at all times, and that. To- me meant serious. And so when I married my wife, she started calling me Papaw and like all these, <laughs> and she bought me shorts uh, and jeans and uh, all these kinds of things. But really, she brought joy to our household. Her name is Stephanie, but she's always been known as Peppy. Uh, and it's just stuck so everyone knows her as Peppy, but that's exactly what she's brought. And out of that, it has filled my life with so much joy. Now, now here's the truth. Uh, growing up, I saw a lot, like genuinely a lot. I saw a lot of lives. I saw a lot of ministries. I saw a lot of people. I saw a lot of families, um, ministers you see on TV. I saw them up close and personal. I saw their families. You know what I didn't see? I didn't see a lot of people happy. And so I was never impressed. I wasn't impressed with like fame, fortune, big ministry, big church. It still to this day doesn't impress me. Um, but what does impress me is family. And I made a decision as a, as a young man, like, I want a strong family. And I was sitting at our table last night, we were having dinner, and just sitting there looking at my family and just realizing how blessed I am. Like the, my, my heart's desire, even as a child, I just gave God thanks this morning because of this. And a lot of it is because of what my wife brought to the table with this aspect of joy. The Bible tells us in the book of Psalms, you can open up to it if you brought your Bible. Uh, In Psalm 16 and verse 11, the psalmist says this. He says, you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In God's presence, joy is full. There's full joy in God's presence. Uh, In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 9, when it's talking about the Lord Jesus, it says this, you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. This is talking about Jesus. And it says, when you looked at Jesus, you didn't just see a powerful life. You saw a joyful one. In fact, you didn't just see a joyful one. His joy stood out. Jesus had a joy that stood out. Uh, you can ask my staff anytime we have like a moment where I'm with them all, uh, before I begin and like the you know, breakdown of the staff meeting, or even before we pray or go into God's word, I'll ask them a question. Now they think it's an icebreaker, but I'm actually trying to teach them even with the question that I ask. because if they haven't caught on by now, I literally ask it every time. Um, here's the question I ask: what have you done for fun? And I wait for answers. And it's not because I'm trying to like, oh, let's like have a moment of connection. I'm trying to teach them a lesson uh, that fun is the seriousness business of heaven. A joyful person is a strong person. A joyful family is a strong family. A joyful company is a strong company. We have to fight for joy. Um, and as I worked on this and establishing it in my family, I found that for me, it was not easy for me to go on this journey. Uh, I'm more of an introvert. Um, I'm more of like kind of reserved. Uh, But for my wife, she was able to draw some of these things out of me uh, because my wife lives by this principle that when you're laughing, your hearts are open to one another. Uh, That if we can get a family laughing, that's when things are going to be established in our hearts. Uh, Our hearts will be open, the walls will be lowered, and we can have a connection. And so my wife brought so many things to the table uh, to kind of open up uh, laughter and to open up joy. Uh, and since we've been married 17 years now, in 17 years, we do all of these things that we're about to put up on the screen regularly. Uh, family night. Somebody says, well, what in the world is family night? Every Friday night is pizza, brownies, and a movie. Uh, And it's just one of those things, it's been that way since the beginning of time in the Sims household, but it's just a moment of reconnection, it's a moment of fun, it's a moment of joy. Uh, At family nights, uh, we will have dance-offs, and this started uh, because uh, most of the cartoons and things that we watch at the end credit scene, that's when like they play like the exciting music and that kind of thing, and my wife would, you know, make us all get up and dance, and we would vote to see who had the best dance. And it's so funny uh, for me, because I can't dance, and it's so funny for my wife. Because I can't dance. And, and so everybody just kind of laughs. And this this happened all the time. But especially when our kids were little. Uh, dare or double dare. Uh, we'll talk about this in a minute. Because if you've ever watched Coffee Time, you can see uh, how these things kind of unfolded. But dare or double dare is where you just sit around and you say dare or double dare. And someone has to pick one. Uh, and so you always want to pick double dare. Because that means you get two options. And then you got to pick one. And we have a rule. You can't give anybody a dare that you wouldn't yourself do. Uh, And then if you say dare or double dare, it automatically qualifies you to be dared after they do theirs. Uh, So you say it with caution, Uh, but sometimes you just got to have fun. Uh, So dare or double dare. Family Olympics, this is where the whole family, anytime our whole family comes together, like not just like my kids, but like my wife's family and things like that, like all of their kids come together we do family Olympics. We make medals, whole nine yards, and we'll compete. Uh, egg toss, chicken race, you know, all these kinds of things just for fun. Um, and out of that, um, you know, we could keep going with all these things, eating challenges, mystery blender. It's where, you know, somebody has to drink whatever somebody puts in a blender. Uh, like, <laughs> all these types of things are fun. Now, now here's my point. Here's my point. If you ask my kids or even our family who's engaged in any of these types of things, what's been your favorite moments as a family, they will not name one gift they've ever gotten or even a trip that they took. You know what they name? All these silly little things uh, that we do. You know what my favorite childhood memory is growing up? My personal one when I was a child. My dad would let me stay up late on Sunday nights and we would watch Arsenio Hall and American Gladiators. That's the truth. Uh, And it felt just like so much fun sitting next to him. Why? It's breaking a little rule. Like you're supposed to be in bed. Your mom kind of wants you in bed. uh, But you can stay up and watch this with me. What is that? That's fun. Uh, Once a year, my parents and my my dad would let me pick a day where I wanted to skip school. I'm not recommending this teachers, but I kind of am. Uh, Once a year, uh, just, you know, break a little rule. Let's skip school and we'll do lunch today. And just, I'll spend the day with you. And oftentimes for my dad, we'd drive down to New Orleans for lunch and drive back. But when I think about my childhood, I think about some of those memories. And when I think about the times I felt most loved, it was when my dad played Nintendo with me. It was when my mom watched uh, the Mississippi State uh, football game with me. What is it? Fun fun. Where there's joy, there is strength. Where there's joy, there is strength. The joy of the Lord, it is your strength. And you have to fight for that. I'll tell you, one of the things that made me a better father, seriously, one of the things that made me a better father was John Romick. Uh, John is our online campus pastor. If you've never met John, he's a lot of fun. Uh, And him and his wife Carolina came in and lived with us. And I watched how much fun John was having with my kids and I got jealous. And I'm like, you will not win their affection, sir. Uh, And like all these things. But I noticed like when they asked to throw the football, he would throw the football. And when they asked like, hey, do you want to play this? He would play it. And I noticed, like, okay, like, I need to step up my game because I am naturally an introvert. And it wasn't because I was trying to compete with John because John would try to get me down there too. (laughs) Because he is a kid in the best way. Uh, but, But out of this, it wasn't that I saw the need to compete with John. It's I saw how much life John was bringing to my kids. And I saw just by simply having fun with them, their hearts were opening up to him. And I want to encourage you in your life, you have to fight for this. And and so just for fun today, uh, we're about to show you something that we do, this program called Coffee Time. It started in COVID. Uh, Me and my wife, like, couldn't see all of you. And so we thought, well, this would be fun to let, you know, open up our world and, you know, film something in our living room. And so, like, every Monday we would set up our cameras and we would film and do it live on Instagram and Facebook. And just show people our version of what we call Coffee time it 's where me and my wife just sit together and we talk, and then oftentimes it evolves over into a dare or double dare um, and that kind of thing uh, so out of that, we just decided to kind of showcase that live and she 's like, well, people don 't want to just watch us have a devotional we 've got to end it with a dare or double dare and i 'm like, okay, and so she every week would pick a different dare, and whoever lost whatever event had to do the dare. Uh, so you'll see things like it starts off with this compilation of me having to be a, a karate person for a minute, uh, and you know, act like I knew karate. At the end of it, I was exhausted. I'm like, "I'm not called by God to be a fighter." Uh, you know, all these other types of things you'll kind of see. But here's an example of just some fun you can have. Let's roll the video, please. <laughs> I got to do her hair for a day. (laughs) She had to sing in front of the whole neighborhood. (laughs) Our kids got in it. Sing the star-spangled banner with water in your mouth. That's an Alka-Seltzer with Coke, who can hold it the longest. (laughs) 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 So fun! Uh, aggressively and purposely, yeah, have it with each other. Um, Have time set aside where you're thinking about what is fun. And like I said, growing up, my family was different. Uh, We didn't know, you know, about dare or double dare. So we had our own version of it. And like, don't feel the need to ever compete with my family or anybody else's family. But it's a principle of fun. You need it in yours. You need it with your uncles and your aunts, your mothers and your fathers, your children. You need to have fun with each other. Growing up, my favorite family memory was 4th of July. We would get together with my uncle and we'd ride four-wheelers and we would shoot fireworks. What is that? Fun. But that's when family feels like family, when you're having these types of moments where you're connecting with each other. And maybe you didn't have a family like that, why don't you start a family like that? (laughs) Amen. And make a decision to give that gift to future generations. The second thing that families do, and this is once again a very simple thing, very just kind of instructional message, they have meals with each other. Now, I, I had this so big on my heart to teach, Uh, Because this was something that me and my wife just made a priority uh, in our household is this for a number of different reasons. And so I was going to teach this today, uh, but I, I got more enforcement this week. I was reading the Wall Street Journal and came across an article where it talked about kids dealing with depression. And that children today are dealing with depression unlike any other generation before us. And they were looking at the reasons and the causes as to why. And they linked it to a, get this, they linked it, this is the Wall Street Journal, this week, they linked it to a lack of family dinners. Here's one of the things that they put um, in the the article, 44% of high schoolers are persistently sad and hopeless. They said, I feel hopeless, 44%, right? At half of high schoolers are feeling hopeless and sad. Why? They said the SUV has become the dinner table families are not eating with each other they're eating on the go they're going here they're going there constantly in the car and so they're eating a lot but not having face-to-face time Uh, and so they said our children are experience rich meaning like they they're in soccer and they're in school and they're in all these things and they they went on to explain of how unhealthy that is and I thought that was interesting because as a parent like you want to give your kids all these experiences but they said what you call an experience your kids call pressure They feel pressure to be good. Pressure to be good in school. Pressure to be good at church. Pressure to be good in soccer. Pressure to be good in basketball. Pressure to be good in all these things. And they said, it is, it is hurting their mental health. And they said, we need, yes, to have experiences, but we can't be experience-rich and relationally poor. Uh, and that our kids, they don't have the same types of friendships as we did growing up. Our friendships were real face-to-face friendships. Our kids are digital. And it's not doing the same things in their souls. And, and, and they have digital friends. And then with parents, they don't have that connection either because we're focusing on experience. But what our kids actually want is relationships. Um, this past summer was the first summer we ever let kids come on our family vacation who were not our kids. <laughs> and so we opened it up. and like... And so our kids brought friends and that type of thing. At the, on the way home, like we, we did all these activities, all these things. We asked the, the kids, our kids and those kids, what was your favorite thing about the, the week-long vacation? What did you enjoy most about it? Without fail, all of them, my kids and the other kids, these are teenagers, the thing that they said was how we ate dinner together every night. Because after dinner, we would do dare, double dare, games, like all these types of things, um, challenges, like all these other types of, and they loved it. It ministered something to their hearts. These moments they really do matter. Where there is no pressure, that the only pressure at this table is to just let go of pressure. And let's have a moment where we talk. Let's have a moment when we connect. How did life start for us? God got face-to-face with us and breathed life into us. And what we're missing in our generation today is face-to-face interaction. Um, Even when we have family dinners or date nights as couples, when people are are supposed to be having face-to-face interaction, what do we have? You pick up phones and, like, all these screens and, like, all these other types of things where there's not a true connection. And in Scripture, you see, we are hardwired for connection. We are hardwired for a connection with God, and we are hardwired for a connection with each other. And when we're not meeting that need through those connections, it is not good for our souls. It is not good for our lives. It is not good for our hearts. We need connection. And Mills help us do this. Like, if you want Scripture for it, literally read the Old Testament. It was a, a, a testament centered around feast. meals and community and families coming together in the new testament what do you see like jesus a lot of his parables i'm calling a dinner who will come and people like we can't why we're experience rich we just bought cattle of course we can't come uh you know we just got married of course we can't come to the dinner so like all of these things we're going to besides coming to the meal uh, communion. Literally, our, our New Testament is built off of a meal that we are to share with the Lord and with each other. Why are our meals so important for us uh, in these moments? Well, number one, reconnection. Uh, and I, I want to show you this. It's not going to be on the screens because I didn't think about it this, until this morning. But go over to the book of John real quick. John chapter 21 uh, in verse number 9. Um, Jesus was walking through some relational disappointment (laughs) with his disciples. You've got this spiritual family that is, um, under attack and all of his disciples have like abandoned him and Peter's denied him and Judas has sold him for 30 pieces of silver. So at, at best it's awkward. And maybe some of you have like some awkward tension in your family right now. Um, And I would guess that's all of you who have a family, like with someone, Uh, maybe it's an uncle or an aunt or grandfather or grandmother, mother, father, child, there's some awkward tension. And so what did Jesus do when there was awkward tension for reconnection? Watch what he did here in John 21. And let's look in verse number nine. Uh, So they've been fishing, and when they got out on the land, this is the disciples, they saw a charcoal fire already laid, and fish placed on it, and bread. Don't miss the spiritual importance on this simple scripture. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have now caught. And Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast with me. And none of his disciples ventured to question him, who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them and the fish likewise. Now, why is this so important? It's Jesus like connecting with his disciples. And yes, he prayed with his disciples. You should pray with your family. And yes, he had moments and services with them. But when there was the greatest tension, you know what he did? He's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cook breakfast. And I'm going to invite everybody to my table, and I'm going to serve them food, and we're going to sit here and talk. And everybody felt loved in that moment. They felt called back. Peter was restored, and that connection allowed Jesus to have a very tough conversation with Peter that restored him. If you love me, feed my sheep. But all of that came off of this meal. Uh, When the prodigal son came home, what did the father do? Let's have a meal. Let's have a celebration. Slay the fatted calf. Let's eat. Um, And so these types of things are critically important. Literally, in the Wall Street Journal article, they said, you know what your kids need? They said two to three meals a week where kids can see your face and you can see theirs for 30 minutes at a time. I said two to three meals like that of just 30 minutes could be breakfast could be lunch could be let's go get ice cream could be a date night for a couple but like two to three 30 minutes of uninterrupted face-to-face time can literally like ground a child mentally during these formative and development developmental years like coming to this place where we understand it's putting gravity in their soul it is reconnecting us Even in my family, um, I went, long story, don't have time to tell it, but years without talking to my uncle or grandmother. We grew up so close, and and family trauma happened, and I went years without talking to him. You know how I got that relationship back? I contacted him and said, Let's do lunch. And we came together and we did lunch. And you know what it was? Awkward. (laughs) It was not beautiful. Heaven didn't open up. It was just lunch. And then I called him and said, let's do it again. And I called him and said, let's do it again. Why? It's a safe place. There's a lot of people here. Let's do it again. And we had these conversations. And we we came to this place of reconnection. And at the end of their lives, um, I was very close to my grandfather. I was very close to my uncle. I'm very close to my grandmother. All of that was formed over meals. Meals can be a place of reconnection. But also meals are a place of impartation. Um, and I know, like you, and I have kids and I'm always trying to teach them. But I notice if I'm trying to teach a lesson and their heart's not open to me, the lesson doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter how eloquent I am. If there's not connection, they're not hearing it. But I've noticed over mealtime, their hearts are open and there's impartations that are happening in those moments. And, And there are things that they are catching. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1 and verse 11, he said, I desire to see your face that I may impart unto you a spiritual blessing. He said, there's only so many things I can give you through teaching. But if I can get face to face with you, I can get an impartation with you. And this is why the Bible instructs you uh, to like not open up friendship to so many people and to have all these things with so many people because bad company does corrupt good morals. You're catching things when you're doing these things with these people. But for those of us who we love and for those of us are together and when there are issues in a family, a lot of times impartation and healing can come through a meal you remember Jesus, uh, one of his criticisms was, uh, from the Pharisees were like, why do you eat with sinners? It's like you go to their house and you like sit at the table and you eat with them. Why do you do that? And he says, the whole do not need a physician. The sick do. And Jesus knew when I'm dealing with people that I want to see change in, you know what I should do with them? Let me eat, eat with them. Uh, with kids, you, you, like they're just, I don't know, like they're going through heart. maybe they don't need correction, maybe they just need you to eat with them, maybe they just need you to sit down with them, maybe they just need like a, a conversation with you, where walls are dropped, maybe, maybe they don't, they don't need to be grounded, maybe, maybe they do, I'm not saying that they don't, but maybe the reason why they're acting that way is they are experience rich, but relationally poor, and they need a connection, face-to-face time with their father, face-to-face time with their mother, face-to-face time with each other. There is impartation that happens when we are face-to-face. The third thing that family, healthy families do is this. We'll close with this one. They have positive communication. Healthy families have positive communication. Uh, what is positive communication? For me, it comes down to three primary things. They'll put it up on the screen. Number one, they talk through issues. They don't hide the issues, nor do they explode over the issues. They have the ability to talk through the issues. Number two, they listen with honor. And number three, they bless aggressively. If you can leave this up on the screen. Somebody says, what do you mean talk through issues? I sat through a counseling session uh, with a professional counselor and a married couple. Um, I've become more fascinated on interpersonal ministry because I want to bring healing to my family. I want to take responsibility for my family. Uh, The older I get, the more I see. Uh, I can pick my friends, but God picked my family. Why did he give me the people he gave me? Why is my niece my niece? Why is my aunt my aunt? Why is my grandmother my grandmother? God picked that. Why? And to take responsibility to be a healer to my family. It's the easiest thing in the world to walk around the hurting and the wounded. It's hard to interrupt your schedule and be a good Samaritan. And you can't be the good Samaritan to everyone. But God picked your family for a reason. And so I'm trying to up my game. I'm trying to bring more healing in life to my family, my wife, my kids, my relatives than ever before. And so I sat through counseling. I want to see how to make this happen better. And you know what they did with this married couple? As counselor, they let me in on the session. They let me watch it uh, for training reasons. Um, They sat and they wrote out a list of, it hurts me when you do this. And they wrote it down. It scares me when you do this. I feel unsafe when you do this. I feel loved when you do this. I feel cared for when you do this. And they made each person read out their list. And then the other person got to do the same thing. And they told them neither one of you can change or alter what you wrote. So there can be no retaliation. Uh, You just have to listen. And they said, you can't talk about it for 24 hours. And I watch this. This is one of the toughest things i ever watched. Like I'm watching like the words just weigh so heavy. But I'm also watching the freedom that's coming because truth is being shared. If you live a lie in your family, you are hurting your family. Because truth sets people free. Truth will set your marriage free. Truth will set your family free. We cannot hide from the truth. We have to be able to tell each other, this is hurting. When you do this, it makes me feel unsafe. When you do this, it scares me. When you do this, it hurts me. We have to have this capacity to speak and navigate these issues. But it will not happen if I don't listen with honor. I can't listen to you share your truth and me um, like respond to it verbally in a harsh way as to why it shouldn't be your truth. Like, I have to hear what you are saying, and any time I am purposely not hearing you because I'm trying to think about what I'll say next, I am breeding resentment in your heart. And somebody says, well, I'm right, Pastor Joel. It doesn't matter if you're right if they can't hear you, and they will never hear you if they're not being heard by you. And so I've got to listen with honor with my kids. They're teenagers now. One of the biggest things I'm trying to teach them is this principle. And so I ask them this question. I'm like, what am I not seeing? My son, the other day, he got in trouble. He got an email from, you know, a teacher of like, he wasn't acting well in class. My kids are human. Um, and uh, that's one of the things I always, you know, remind myself and my wife of like, they're not Jesus. They need Jesus. They're not Jesus. Uh, you know these types of things, and so I got him in the car, and I had already made up my mind. Like, here's consequences that are going to come, and the Lord reminded me of this this principle, and He He said, "Ask Him what you're not seeing." And so my son gets in the car, and I'm like ready to go, and I'm like, I'll stop. I'm like, tell me what I'm not seeing. I told him what the email I got, and I'm like, tell me what I'm not seeing. And I listened with honor. And he went into it. He said, Dad, one, I just feel tired in this season. It's a lot of pressure. And he said, secondly, I take full responsibility for my actions. Like I, I knew what I was doing was wrong. I violated my heart. I didn't honor my teacher. And I saw he's repentant. And the old me would have not taken the time to see where his heart was. I would have just looked at, looked at what the actions were because the goal is not to like just punish the actions, it's to change the heart. Because if you can change the heart, eventually the actions will change. And so as soon as I listened, it's, uh, it changed my approach and it changed what I would say next. We need to seek to understand before we're trying to be understood. We should regularly come to our, our, our spouses and say, what, what can I do to improve this marriage? Tell me. I want to be better. I want to be a better husband. Tell me what, I can, what can I do around the house that would help you? Don't make them just have to come and tell you truth. Ask for truth. Truth will set your marriage free. What can, what can I do? Like with, with a parent, what can I do to honor you more? I asked my mom that question. She said, you could call me more. I'm like, That's fair. That's fair. And was that easy to hear? No, because I knew she was right. Any criticism that hurts typically has truth in it. If she tried to critique me of like, you're a drunk, I'm like, no, I'm not. So I'm like It wouldn't even, it wouldn't even like register on me. Like I'd just blow it off. But the ones that linger are the ones that have truth in them. But what if we could open ourselves up to hear the truth? Now, here's the other side of that coin. If all your family is hearing is truth, all your kids are hearing the truth, you need to change. That's probably true. You need to listen. Probably true. You need to be more respectful. Probably true. You need to honor me more. Probably true. But if all my family is hearing from me is the truth, it'll breed a a home that has an atmosphere of disapproval. And as soon as my wife, as soon as my, my children, as soon as my mom, as soon as my uncle... As soon as all of these family relationships fill my disapproval, it will shut down their spirit and they will not hear my truth. And so when even if we're talking about a difficult issue, the one thing that my family members should never doubt is my love for them. The one thing my children, my wife, my mom... My uncle should never doubt is I love you. Even when Jesus has to disagree with our decisions. One thing we never doubt with Jesus and our heavenly father is his love for us. And that's what makes him safe. And that's what will make you safe. That's what will make you safe for your children and safe for your family. And these things, they're not easy because we have to be mindful to bless aggressively. They literally tell us in marriage that it takes seven to one, good to bad, to have a healthy marriage. Seven great things, good things to happen for every one bad thing. I'm like, wow, you better be aggressively good is what that means. You want a a bad relationship with your mom? You want a bad relationship with your child? You want a bad relationship with your your spouse? Here's Here's what you do. Play fair. play fair. You want a bad relationship with somebody, play fair. Because at some time, even the best will disappoint you. And when they disappoint you by being rude to you and you play fair, it's like, oh, you want to be rude to me? Now I'm going to be rude to you. And you play fair and then they play fair. It's like, you haven't even seen rude yet. Uh, I'll show you rude. And they're playing fair and you just keep giving what's been given to you. You just keep doing that and eventually it'll be bad. But if you make a decision like my kids will disappoint me, my mom will disappoint me, my dad will disappoint me, my son will disappoint me, my wife, you won't, but other people's (laughs) (laughs) wives will disappoint me. Uh, Out of that, if I make that decision of like for every one of those disappointments, though, I'm telling my family constantly, I love you. I'm thankful for you. Thank you so much for picking up the kids. Thank you so much for, for taking care of this. Thank you so much for noticing that. This morning, I saw my daughter. I genuinely thought it was my wife. She'll be 16 tomorrow. I'm like, I need to make sure my glasses are always clean. Like, I see her standing in, because she, she's so grown. I look at my, wife, my, my daughter, and she's over in the, the laundry room. I'm like, bye, babe. And I look up. I'm like, that's not babe. That's my, that's my daughter. <laughs> and like, she started laughing, and I came over. And I, I just happened to say, I couldn't ask for a better daughter. You're so beautiful. You're growing up so much. I'm so pleased with you. What is that? That's being aggressively good. Aggressively good. Aggressively blessing. Our, Our kids, our husbands, our wives, we should be their biggest fan. They shouldn't be giving more approval outside of the house than in the house. They shouldn't be getting more approval from a friend. My goal is to talk so good about my daughter when she's married. She's like, what else are you going to tell me? My dad's been telling me that my whole life. you gotta bring, you got to bring some more. Uh, like, all of that, like, like, that's my, my goal. And, and I know, like, I'm very introverted. And, like, I grew up in just a, a, you know, a very introverted type of family. But, man, we need it. We need it. We, we need to be blessed by each other. And you know why? Because they need to know that but for every time they are blessed, it opens up the door for us to speak our truth. And when we can speak that truth because it's balanced with love, it literally breeds health throughout the family. And so on all, all of our campuses today, let's stand and we can pray and we'll end with worship and song and But let me pray for you before turning it over to our campus pastors and worship teams. Father, we love you today. We thank you that you bless our families and protect them, that you keep them safe and you fill them with strength. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that our families will not fail because our families will be built upon the rock. Father, we thank you. Let our homes be governed by love. Let us be open to hear and share truth father we thank you in the name of jesus that we will make a priority in our hearts to just spend time with each other and have face-to-face interactions and father i thank you that even today you're mending hearts that have been hurt by family we know that we are dealing with imperfect people and we ourselves have been imperfect and so father we just thank you that even as we sing right now your spirit just heals our hearts and brings peace to our souls we open this space up, Father, to your spirit to say bring healing in life, that we can be free and whole. We love you, Father. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.